All right. Good evening, brothers and sisters. And again, welcome to another episode of the BQA, the Bible Question and Answer. And what our topic will be themed for this evening, it's do not go beyond what is written. Now, what is the basis for this theme? Well, it's basically these, uh, a series of questions that was given to us. Actually, it's just one question, but with three particular passages that they want us to explain and expound upon. So this is uh, what we receive uh, in Tagalog. Ano po bang ibig sabihin? Doon sa Corinthians 4.6, Bahayag 22.18-19, at Matthew 5.18. So in English, what does this mean? First Corinthians 4.6, Revelation 22, 18 and 19, and Matthew 5, verse 18. Now, we don't really know the context behind the question. And so I don't know if I would be able to actually answer the question that is being asked. All I can do is to give you what I believe to be the meaning of these passages which have been highlighted here. And so let's go ahead and begin with Corinthians chapter 4, and the verse is 6. And this is what Apostle Paul teaches now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. So that's what's written in Corinthians 4, and the verse is 6. It mentions, do not think beyond what is written. Now we came from the Iglesia and the Christ of Faith, and our standard understanding of this passage is do not add to or subtract from what is written, which of course is referring to the Holy Scripture. So the INC uses Corinthians 4 verse 6 so that they can teach do not add or subtract from the Holy Bible. That's a good philosophy to adopt. However, when we look at this passage, what is it really all about? We need to look deeper because in Corinthians 4 6, because what we do in this program is we always look at the context, right? And in this passage, the context is about being puffed up on behalf of one against the other. So when Apostle Paul says um, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, the context is about learning from Apostle Paul and from Apollos, that one should not be puffed up one against the other. So that's the context. And so Corinthians 4, 6 appears to be a solution to the problem the brethren in Corinth were having. And so what is that problem that caused the apostle Paul to address them and say, do not think beyond what is written. Well, let's go ahead and look at Corinthians 3, 1 down to 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I am a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting like people of the world? So what was the problem that was brewing amongst the Corinthians who were disciples of our King Yahushua? Also Paul said, 
I want to talk to you like I would spiritual people, but you're not yet mature. They haven't reached spiritual maturity, and they are still living according to the principles of this world. Why did he say that? Because he says in verse 3, you are still controlled by your sinful nature. And how was this truth manifested? That they were still, they were still controlled by their sinful nature. Well, they were jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. In other words, there was division amongst the brethren there in Corinth. And what was the basis of this division that were being created there among the brethren in Corinth? Well, one says, I am a follower of Paul, and the other says, I follow Apollos. And so what eventually happened was there were different sects of Christianity. There are those who only follow Paul and they question Apollos, and those who only follow Apollos and they question Apostle Paul. And so there was this division that was based upon this idea of choosing a leader who preaches the Word of God and only believe in that leader. And so what did Apostle Paul say? Five down to eight. After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work that the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose and both will be rewarded uh, for their own hard work. And so what was the Apostle Paul's response uh, to those who choose to boast about and adhere to only a one spiritual leader like Apollos or Paul? Apostle Paul said, who is Apollos, who is Paul? We are but God's servants. You see, there's this tendency for human beings to kind of idolize their spiritual leaders as though whatever they say is gospel truth, that they can do no wrong. And so they kind of boast about their spiritual leaders. Hey, I'm a follower of Paul. I'm a follower of, of Apollos. Apostle Paul says, we don't really matter. Yes, we do the work assigned to us, but what is important is the work that Yahuwah God does because we are but servants and instruments of Yahuwah. What is important is that Yahuwah God will work so that what has been planted or preached to us through the word of God will grow in us so that we can become strong in our faith. And so what did Apostle Paul warn about those who have a tendency to kind of boast and adhere to their spiritual leaders? Corinthians 3, 18 to 23, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, Yahuwah knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas. By the way, who is Cephas? That's the apostle Peter. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come, all are yours. 
and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. And so Apostle Paul gives a powerful point. The instruments of Yahuwah, they don't really matter in the grand scheme of, grand scheme of things. And so when there are spiritual leaders who proclaim the word of God, like Paul, like Apollos, like Cephas, or the Apostle Peter, their purpose is to bring us to who? To Christ, so that we can be led to Yahuwah God. This is why Yahushua says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? And he is the way, the truth, and the life to the Father. And so the purpose of the proclaimers of the word of God, whether it be the apostles, whether it be Apollos, whether it be myself, or anyone else who used the Holy Bible, our purpose is to bring people to who? To Yahusha the Christ. Because it's only through Yahusha can a person have access to Yahuwah, our almighty Elohim. And so what Apostle Paul is telling us is this. Yes, it's good that we have proclaimers and preachers of the word of God. But do not forget what is most important is that we find our way to who? Yahusha the Christ. And so when Apostle Paul introduces himself and the other apostles and the other proclaimers of the word of God, what does he say? Take note, we are in Corinthians 4, 1 down to 2. Let no man so uh, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. And so Apostle Paul is teaching us what is written, okay? He is teaching us what the Bible says about spiritual leaders and proclaimers of the Word of God. First of all, they are servants of Christ. They're not co-equal with Christ. They are servants of Christ. At the same time, they are also stewards of the mysteries of God. This is why a person who proclaims the Word of God, they ought to receive respect and love from the people they are leading. And so we need to have a balance. This is why Apostle Paul is teaching us what is written. But once we have found what is written or what the Bible speaks about the proclaimers of the word of God, we need to stick to that, not go on our own ideas about these spiritual men, about these proclaimers of the word of God. Yes, they are servants of Christ, but they're also stewards of the mysteries of God. Yes, they're stewards of the mysteries of God, but they're also servants of Christ. In other words, there has to be this balance. And so Apostle Paul goes on to say in 3 down to 4, as for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. So Apostle Paul is telling us when it comes to Apollos or himself or Cephas or any other proclaimer of the word of God or any person for that matter, we really have no right to judge a person because Apostle Paul even says, I do not even judge myself. Why? Because isn't it true that sometimes we, our consciences are not bothering us? But it doesn't mean that we are not guilty. It's possible for a person to have a clear conscience, but at the same time, he is not really doing what he or she is supposed to be doing. Apostle Paul says, you know, I can't even judge myself. Because even if I say I'm, I'm okay, I'm righteous, in the eyes of God, maybe I'm not. 
And so Yahuwah is the one who will examine and decide concerning myself. And so an Apostle Paul, what Apostle Paul is saying is this, we should withdraw. We should not judge each other. We should not judge those who proclaim the word of God because we don't really know who they are and what's in their hearts. Now, having said that, does it mean that we are not to judge what they say? You see, there's a difference between judging the proclaimer and judging what is proclaimed by the proclaimer. Do you see the difference? What does Apostle Paul say also in Corinthians? If we jump to Corinthians 14, 29, it says two or three who are given God's message should speak, while the others are to judge what they say. It's very clear that when it comes to people who hold the Bible and proclaim the word of God, we have the duty as listeners of the word of God to judge what they say. Because if we will not judge what they say and accept everything that comes out of the mouth, we could be led away from the truth. And so we have the responsibility to check scripture, to judge what they say, to make sure it does not contradict the holy teachings of Yahuwah Abba. And so when Apostle Paul says, do not judge each other, do not judge me, or do not judge the proclaimer, it doesn't mean we are not to judge what they say. But what then does it mean? that we are not to judge. First Corinthians uh, 4, 3 down to 4, as for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority, right? I don't even trust my own judgment at this point. My conscience is clear, but it doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. And so we should not judge each other according to Apostle Paul. What, in what sense are we not supposed to judge each other? Let's keep reading verse 5. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns. For he will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. So when Apostle Paul is instructing Corinthians, you know, do not make judgments about Apollos or about Cephas or about Paul. What Apostle Paul is referring to is judgment on their character and their motives. Why? Because we are poor judges of character. Because we don't really know what happens in the mind and the hearts of an individual. We don't know the motives of certain people. We don't know the motives of a proclaimer of the Word of God. Who is the one who knows? It is Yahuwah. And so we should refrain from judging a person's character and he and his motives, but we are to judge what he or she is proclaiming. So there's a difference. We should not cast judgment upon his character and we should judge instead what is being preached by the proclaimer of the word of God. And so after saying all of this, Apostle Paul says in Corinthians 4, 6, now brothers, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not take pride in one man over against another. And so what Apostle Paul is saying when he said, do not go beyond what is written, is basically to tell us when we are being led by a spiritual leader, like Apostle Paul, or Cephas, or Apollos, we should accept 
only what is written or the scriptures that speak about their authority and how we should relate with those who are leading us in the faith. And so we should not come up with our own ideas about certain uh, spiritual world leaders. And the reason why this is important is because there are people who go beyond what the Bible says about spiritual leaders. What do you mean? For example, there are those who go beyond what is written and, you know, they make Brother Felix Manalo, who is a spiritual leader, and, and regard him in such ways that is not taught by scriptures. And so our regard for myself, you know, coming from the Iglesia de Cristo, I have a high regard for Brother Felix. Why? Well, I believe he proclaimed the word of God, right? However, our regard for Brother Felix Manala and other religious leaders should not go beyond what is written. We should rely only upon scriptures. And this is what Apostle Paul was talking about before he mentioned 1 Corinthians 4, 6. In Corinthians 3, 18 to 23, he says, you know, do not boast in men for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, all are yours and you are Christ and Christ is God's. And so whether it be Paul or Peter or Cephas or Brother Felix Manalho, we need to keep in mind that we must not boast about them, right? We should not idolize them and make them and regard them in such ways that is not according to scripture, but are going beyond what is scripture. And so when, if we use scriptures as the standard for how we relate with our spiritual leaders, we need to make sure that we practice that. Don't go beyond what the scriptures say. Now, what is an example of going beyond what the scriptures say about spiritual leaders? Well, this is a philosophy that some have, right? Do not add to or subtract from what Brother Felix Wainanala taught. I mean, coming from the English and Krisa, this is the belief of many people today. This is why when we preach about the name of God, for example, Yahuwah, when we preach about the Ten Commandments, for example, say, well, this was not taught by Brother Felix Y. Manala. We should not add to or subtract from what was taught by Brother Felix Y. Manala. Now, Brother Felix Manala never actually said that, right? What he said is do not believe in Manala. He says believe in the Holy Bible. That's what I choose to believe. And that's really the legacy that Brother Felix Manala left. He says don't believe in me, which is what Apostle Paul is saying and teaching. Don't believe in me. Believe in the Holy Bible. So it's wrong to have and uphold a philosophy that says do not add to or subtract from what Brother Felix Y. Manalo taught. Because to uphold that philosophy is to go beyond what is written. And so we're going to end up puffing up Brother Felix Manalo against the apostles. Can you imagine? The prophet Isaiah preached it. And then one will say, wait a minute, Brother Felix Manalo never taught this. And so we should not believe it. And so what are we doing? We are causing Brother Felix Manalo to be puffed up against Isaiah. Wait a minute. Hosea preached something. But Brother Felix Manalo never taught about Hosea. Never taught about Micah or about Malachi. And so we're going to say, don't believe it. Don't accept it because it was not taught about Felix Manalo. What are we doing? We are pitting one against the other. And Apostle Paul says, no, do not do that. Do not add. Do not, do not add to or subtract from what the Bible says. It doesn't say do not add to or subtract from what the spiritual leader says. There's a big difference 
between the two. So what is the standard of the word of God concerning proper relations with those who proclaim the word of God? Uh, Thessalonians chapters 5, 12 uh, down to 13. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. And so when it comes to how we ought to relate with our spiritual leaders who lead us in the Lord's work, it's very clear. We ought to give them great respect and wholehearted love because of the work that they do. However, we need to test what they say because it says test everything that is said, hold on to what is good, stay away from every kind of evil. And so this is how we practice. And when it comes to relating with those who teach us the word of God. So that's Corinthians 4, 6. Now let's go to Revelation 22, 18 down to 19. And this is somewhat related. Let's look into it. Revelation 22, 18 to 19. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him uh, the plagues that are written in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. And so the Bible tells us, who well, I'm speaking here, by the way, is our King Yahushua, and he's telling us, do not add to these things. Do not take away from the words of the book. And often, when you look at ancient literature, whenever a piece of work, a piece of scroll, um, is very important to the one who wrote it, oftentimes the author will say things like this, do not add to or subtract. If you add to, something bad is going to be added. If you take away, some, you'll be, certain privilege will be taken away from you. In this case, if one will add, what's going to be added to him? Plagues written in this book. We don't want those plagues to be added to us. If we will take away from the words of this prophecy, what will be taken away from us? The privilege to have our names written in the book of life and from the holy city. And so this tells us it's very, very important not to add to or subtract from this book. Now, when it says this book, what specifically is our King Yahushua speaking about? It's the book of Revelation. Notice it says the prophecy of this book, this prophecy, written in this book, and things which are written in this book, it keeps repeating, it's specifying this book, which is the book of Revelation. So what our King Yahushua is telling us is that the book of Revelation is vital, to the point that if we add to or subtract it's to it, then it changes its meaning and content, and it's not going to be for our own good. And so why did our King Yahushua added this when it comes to the book of Revelation? To emphasize the importance of this book. You know, the book of Revelation is so important. This is actually written in the opening sentences of the book of Revelation. Revelation 1, 1 of 3, the revelation of Christ, of Yahushua Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. 
and he sent and signified it by the angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hears the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Why did our King Yahushua show, show such great importance of the book of Revelation to the point that he says, if you add to or subtract, nothing good is going to happen here, right? Because Yahushua is telling us how important this book is because there is a promise for those who read and for those who hear and keep the words of this prophecy. The Bible says they are blessed. And because they are blessed, Yahushua wants to make sure that those who have this book will study this book. This is why we're beginning to unpack everything that is taught in Revelation, right? We have finished our way to, we made our way to Revelation chapter 6. So we're going to study every part of the book of Revelation. Because if we will not study every part of the book of Revelation, then it's like taken away from the book. We don't want to do that. We want to study every single part, every single word of the book of Revelation, because to our King Yahushua, it is important, it is imperative that we study every part of the book of Revelation. Why is that even more, it's even more so important today than ever before? In Revelation 22, behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Question. How can we keep the words of the prophecy of this book if we don't know what they are, right? This is why it's really important that we complete the study of the book of Revelation. Now, I, John, saw and heard these things, and when I heard and saw, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship uh, before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, see that you do not do that. For I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not see the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. You see, when the revelation was given, it was also the beginning of the time being at hand. In other words, there was already an unfolding of the preparations, especially that which concerns the history of redemption or redemptive history, when revelation was given to Apostle John and he was instructed to give it and preach it and proclaim it and to give it to as many people as possible, it meant it was time for people to heed the message because it is very close to the end of the world. This is why the Christian era is called the last days because during the Christian era, the unfolding of Christian of events that will lead to salvation is already at hand. Hence, our King Yahushua says, do not add, do not take away. He's in, he is telling us we need to study and we need to heed every part of the book of Revelation. And so when it comes to not adding or subtracting, it applies to the book of Revelation. Okay, again, this tells us how important the book of Revelation is. And at the same time, we need to also understand it's wrong uh, to uphold the philosophy and do not add or subtract from what Brother Felix Fadimawa taught. I mean, it's like we're making him of the same level as Yahushua, and we don't want to do that, right? We need to make sure, even if it was not taught by Brother Felix Fadimawa, but if it was taught by our King Yahushua, my goodness, we should be all over that. We should 
uh, really be thirsty for that because it was taught by our king, Yahushua. Even if it's not taught, I'm going to tell his wife, Manalo. So we will show our true loyalty. Our loyalty is not in Apostle Paul or uh, Cephas or any of these spiritual leaders, right? Not Brother Felix Fanalo, not me, not anyone here on earth, but to who? Our King Yahushua. And so why is the book of Revelation so important? Why does our King Yahushua want that every single one of us who are servants of his to really master the book of Revelation? Well, in Revelation 2, verse 7, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches or the assemblies. To him who overcomes, I will give to, uh, to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. You see, our king, he wants us to overcome, not to be overcome. He wants us to be overcomers not be the ones who are overcome. Why does our king want us to overcome? So that we can be with him in the paradise of God. This is what Yahushua wants. This is why he died on the cross. And he gave us this book so that what he did on the cross would be applied to us and we will be overcomers so that we can receive the paradise of God. And so one of the significant parts of the book of Revelation is Yahushua's message to the seven assemblies or to the seven churches. This is why we encourage you to go back and watch again our study concerning the seven assemblies. Remember the seven assemblies, Ephesus, Myrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea, because when we go back and look at the message of our King Yahushua to each of these uh, different congregations in the first century, there are things that we will learn, the concern of Yahushua, the commendations of Yahushua, the promise and exhortation of our King, Yahusha, because when he spoke about these seven assemblies, Yahusha highlighted certain human tendencies that will lead us away from the promised land. Certain tendencies that we need to understand about ourselves so that we can be overcomers instead of being the ones who are overcome. And so if you still remember the seven human tendencies revealed in his letter to the different congregations for in Ephesus, for example, it was highlighted there the tendency for love to wane, right? And so we need to catch ourselves to make sure our love is not waning. Smyrna, the tendency for character to grow in suffering. This is why when we go through suffering in life, uh, we should not think of it as God abandoning us. No, he is refining our character. Pergamos, the tendency to be like the world. How do we know this tendency, especially today, right? If we're not aware of this tendency, we might become like the world. And even if, for example, we say we are followers of Yahushua, perhaps the world's influence is even influencing our belief about Yahushua and how we behave towards one another. Thyatira, the tendency for immorality and idolatry, the two eyes. And when it comes to idolatry, it's not just about worshiping images, it's also about worshiping and giving priority to that over God and over Yahushua, right? For example, your career could be an idol. Your car could be an idol. Um, your education could be an idol. Your wealth could be an idol. So we need to be aware of idolatry and immorality, especially today when so many people are fixed on really satisfying the desires of the flesh, right? To the point that they commit immoral acts. That's the message to Thyatira. Sardis, 
we find a tendency to wear masks of hypocrisy. You know, on the outside, you look lively, but on the inside, you are dead men's bones. Philadelphia, a tendency to depend on human authority, to depend on human leaders. Laodicea, the tendency for indifference and complacency. And so we don't grow in our faith. We don't grow in our knowledge. Apostle Paul said, you ought to be teachers already, but you are still relying on milk, right? So we need to outgrow, we need to overcome the tendency to be indifferent, to be complacent. So our King Yahusha, he gave us revelation so that we can overcome, right? And who also must we overcome? In Revelation 12, verse 17, and the dragon was rough with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony, testimony of Yahusha Christ. We know that the wrath of the dragon is going to be immense and it will intensify when he knows he has a limited time left, which is now, right? And so who is the target? Those who proclaim the commandments of God and those who bear the testimony of Yahusha Christ. That would make us the targets. And so Yahusha wants us to read Revelation so that we don't end up being overtaken and overcome by the dragon. And who will be the chief instrument of the dragon? This is why we have Revelation 13. Men worship the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. And they also worship the beast and ask who is like the beast who can make war against him. The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. And he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. All whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. So if Yahushua did not give us this message, it would be easy for us to end up worshiping the beast. Right? But if we were given this message, but we don't pay attention to it, we don't really study it, we don't heed its warning, it would be easy for us to be overcome by the beast. We might end up worshiping the beast. Can you imagine, look at what our King Yahushua warned us about. What does the book of Revelation warn us about? It warns us, the Bible says, that this beast power, which is powered by the devil, will make war against the saints and conquer them. And he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants will worship the beast. This is why we have to be aware of what this beast is and what it represents. And we must never give our allegiance and loyalty to the beast. And why must we pay attention to what our king is telling us about the beast? This is what he says in 9 and 10. He who has an ear, let him hear. In other words, we need to take heed about what our king is telling us about the beast. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, with a sword he will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. Are we saints? Are we followers of Yahushua? Well, that's good. We have a duty to uphold. What is that? We need to be patient 
and we need to endure. We need to be faithful to our king, Yahusha. Why must we be patient? Why must we be faithful to our king, Yahusha? 13, 11, and 15, then I saw another beast coming up or coming out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast on the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast. Well, we have two beasts. What if we didn't know that, right? Whose fatal wound had been healed and he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. Because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. And so there are certain things that we need to understand about the devil, the dragon, and his empowering of the two beasts. Because the empowering of these two beasts is going to be miracles signs and great wonders and there's going to be a threat of being killed if one does not worship the image of the beast and so because of the pressure to worship the beast and refusal meaning death if many people will accept worshiping the beast because after all they can perform all these great signs they can perform all these great wonders perhaps this beast system is the messiah and so our King Yahushua is telling us to watch out for imposters, to watch out for counterfeits. And not only will they be able to deceive. And so that's one of the things that we know Satan is masterful at. He knows how to deceive. And he also has great power. Not only does he have great power, not only does he deceive, what also will he do? In 16 or 18, he also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead. So that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is a man's number. His number is 666. And so Yahushua is giving us clues. We need to understand that there is going to be a system brought up by the dragon whose purpose is to bring wrath upon the followers of Yahushua who keep the Ten Commandments out, God, right? And he will cause people to worship the beast. And so in order to do that, not only will he show great power, not only will he deceive, he will also force people uh, to worship this beast by taking control of certain segments in our society, like buying and selling. And so it's likely this beast power is going to have control in the, of, over the internet, our banking system. He will have control and influence over political leaders. This person is not going to be hated. This person is going to be loved and adored. And so if we're not aware, we might end up doing the same thing. This is why we're going to study this in depth when we get to it. And so this tells us, our King Yahusha is telling us, read the book of Revelation. Because when we read the book of Revelation, we arm ourselves so we can protect ourselves that we may not be deceived by the adversary of our faith. Okay?
Now let's go to the last part, Matthew 5, verse 18. What does that mean? Well, let's read Matthew 5, verse 18. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. And so here our King Yahushua is speaking about preserving the law, right? Until all is fulfilled. And what is the jot or tittle? Well, this really refers to the Hebrew characters of the letters that comprise the Hebrew Torah. Because remember, the book of God was written in Hebrew. The law was written in Hebrew. And when you look at the Hebrew letters, it has jots and tittles, which make up the building blocks of the, the alphabet of the Hebrew language. And so what our King Yahushua is basically telling us, we need to preserve the law, including one jot or tittle. Remember in Revelation 22, Yahushua says, concerning the book of Revelation, do not add or subtract. Here, what Yahushua is basically telling us, do not add or subtract even a jot or a tittle, because it is so important. What is important? The law. That is mentioned here. So our King Yahusha is telling us just how important the law is, right? How important is the law? Bible says, Assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or one tittle by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. What is that law that our King Yahusha is talking about? Well, we read verse 18. Let's read 17 and go to 18 so that we can see and get the context. Uh, do not think that I came to destroy the law. Or the prophets. Isn't this what is believed by many, many people today? You know, they disregard the Ten Commandments because they say, well, our King Yahusha, he performed the Ten Commandments for us so that we don't have to. That doesn't make any sense, right? I mean, there are certain things our King Yahusha did for us so that we don't have to do it, but obeying the commandments, not one of them, right? And so our King Yahusha wants us to understand what it means for him to fulfill the law, the whole law. He's saying, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to what? To fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. And so when it comes to the law that has to be fulfilled, our King Yahushua is talking about the law that was given to Moses, basically the Ten Commandments, Right? And also the ceremonial laws uh, that were given to make a person fitting to ceremonially worship Yahuwah. And so that's part of the law. But the foundation of the law is what? The Ten Commandments. You have the Ten Commandments and you also have the ceremonial laws that make a person fit and redeemed to be able to go to Yahuwah and worship Him. Okay? Want to keep that in mind. And also the prophets. You see, the prophets was also given revelation from Yahuwah concerning the course of redemptive history. This is why there are two advents when it comes to Yahusha. The first advent and the second advent. The first advent, he's going to what? He's going to die. The second advent, he's going to rule as king. And so you have two advents that will be unfolding events prophesied by the prophets. And so all of that has to be Fulfilled. And so our King Yahushua is telling us the law is still in effect until the heavens and the earth pass away or all is fulfilled. And so Yahushua is telling us about a certain event. It's about 
the heaven and earth passing away. And he's saying to us, when the heavens and the earth pass away, all is already fulfilled. Now, what is that? If the heavens and the earth already pass away, what is he talking about here? Second Peter uh, 3, 10 and 13, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be uh, to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the, of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, be on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And so according to Apostle Peter, when will that day be when the heavens will pass away, the earth will pass away, so that there are new heavens and a new earth, so that all is fulfilled. Well, that's the day when the earth is consumed by fire and it's replaced by the new heavens and the earth. When will that take place? In Revelation 21, 1, 5 to 7, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Question, when, is, when does this fall in the timeline event, of events in the book of Revelation? It's after the millennium. Okay, so after the millennial kingdom, this is going to happen next. And before this happens, there's going to be this great white throne judgment in Revelation chapter 20. And so all of the prophecies mentioned by the prophets, it's climaxing, and this is the climax. Revelation 21, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, also there was no more sea. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. It will be, it, I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. And so when Yahushua was nailed on the cross, Remember what he said on the cross? What did he say? It is finished. The work of redemption for the forgiveness of sins has already been finished. But it doesn't mean all things is done. That's just the first advent. Remember, there are two advents spoken by the prophets. The first advent, the second advent. The first advent, our King Yahushua is going to come to die on the cross for the redemption of mankind. That's the first advent. But there's a second advent when he will rule as king with a rod of iron. That's still going to be Fulfilled. And so when our King Yahushua says it is finished, when he was on the cross, he was speaking about redemption. However, the redemption of all things that will bring about the new heavens and the new earth, that's not going to happen until after the millennium. This is why our King Yahushua says, and he said to, or Yahuwah says, it is done, right? That's what Yahushua was referring to when he said the law is still in effect, until all is fulfilled. When is that all is fulfilled? When the heavens and the earth are no more, and there's a new heavens and the earth. And so while this has been foretold by our King Yahushua, he dies on the cross. And so what does that mean? How, what is he, what are we to fulfill? Does it mean that we are no longer to obey the law or the commandments of God? Let's read the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, 9 to 17. And he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. 
By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Yahushua Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. And pause it for a while. During the Aaronic priesthood, the Levitical priesthood in the Old Testament, every day the Levites would offer sacrifices. It was an evening sacrifice, it was a morning sacrifice. The purpose of the sacrifices was to redeem a person so that their sins would be forgiven, right? This was part of the law. Are we still going to do all that? Let's read. But this man, who is that? Yahushua, after he had offered one sacrifice, for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, for by one suffering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And so the laws which was given for the purpose of sanctification, the ceremonial laws, right? Are we still going to follow that? No more. Why not? Because our King Yahushua has perfected us forever by his one sacrifice so that we are no longer required to participate in those ceremonial laws, right? But does it mean that we stop obeying the Ten Commandments? Is that what our King Yahushua is saying? Let's keep reading. Uh, but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I make with them after those days, says Yahuwah. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. And then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. And so as Yahusha is fulfilling prophetic history and redemptive history, when he died on the cross, its purpose is not so that we don't have to obey the Ten Commandments, its purpose is so that we can be set free from sin, so that we can get to obey the Ten Commandments. This is why when Yahushua says in Matthew 5, 17 to 18, that the, the, the law is going to be in effect and until all is fulfilled, what did he specify that is in effect even to this very day? In verse 19, it says, Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments, and teaches men so, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And so there's really no mistaking this. Our King Yahushua is telling us the Ten Commandments is still applicable even during our time. Maybe we, we no longer need the ceremonial laws because we were already, we were already perfected by the shed blood of our King Yahushua on the cross, right? However, we are still required to obey the Ten Commandments. In fact, what does our King Yahushua say? He says, if anyone breaks the least of these commandments, he'll be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever does and teaches them, they'll be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So what is our King Yahushua telling us? He's telling us it's important that we obey the Ten Commandments. This is like equivalent, remember, when Yahushua says, do not add or subtract from the book of Revelation. He was kind of emphasizing the importance of that book. When our King Yahushua said, you know, do not let a jot or a tittle be removed, he's also emphasizing the importance of the Ten Commandments. Remember, that phrase, do not add or take away, it points to the importance of a document. And that was not the first time, right? This was used in scripture. Do you know what else 
the Bible uses that phrase do not add or take away because it's pointing to how important a certain document is. Do you know when else this was used? In the book of Deuteronomy, which is what it says, you shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of Yahweh your God, which I command you. And so this phrase, which basically points to the importance of a certain document, because when Yahushua says do not add or subtract, he's telling us the book of Revelation is important. And here, Yahuwah is the one speaking, and he says the same thing. But this time, what is he telling us that is very valuable? His commandments. He says, do not add or take away from it. What commandments is he referring to that we should not add or subtract from? In Deuteronomy 5, it says, And Moses called all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments, which I speak in your hearing today, that you may learn them and be careful to observe them. Yahuwah our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. Yahuwah did not make this covenant with our fathers, but with us, those who are here today, all of us who are alive. Yahuwah talked with you face to face on the mountain from the midst of the fire. Do you remember that event? What mountain was that? Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai? I stood between Yahuwah and you at that time to declare to you the word of Yahuwah, for you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up the mountain, he said. And so when Yahuwah is telling, when Moses is telling us do not add or subtract from the, from the commandments of Yahuwah, he's telling us what those commandments are. In Deuteronomy 5, these were the commandments that Yahuwah himself gave to you on the mountain that you heard with your own ears. And then he goes on. He said, Yahushua said, take a look at 5, 6 to 11. I am Yahuwah your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, Yahuwah your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers, upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments you shall not take the name of Yahuwah your god in vain for yahuwah will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain what am, what are we reading here that yahuwah spoke and was heard by the israelites when he established his covenant with them in mount sinai this is the ten What's the proof? This is the Ten Commandments. Keeps going. 12 to 15. Observe this the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as Yahuwah your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of Yahuwah your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son or your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox and your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and Yahuwah your God brought you from there by a mighty hand, by an outstretched arm, therefore Yahuwah your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Again, this is, one, this is the Ten Commandments. What else? 16 to 21. So that we can give honor to the Ten Commandments. This is what uh, Yahuwah continued to say. Honor your father and your mother. As Yahuwah your God has commanded you that your days may last may be long and that it may that it may be well with you in the land which Yahuwah your God is giving you. 17. You shall not murder. 
you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet on your neighbor's wife, and you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. And so Yahuwah, he spoke the Ten Commandments. And after speaking the Ten Commandments, eventually, what did Yahuwah also do? In verse 22, these words, Yahuwah spoke to all your assembly in the mountain from the midst of the fire, a cloud in the thick darkness with a loud voice, and he added no more. He added no more. And he wrote them onto tablets of stone, and he gave them to me. And so when Yahuwah is telling us to not add or subtract, he's telling us there's a certain document that is really valuable to him, right? It's like when Yahusha said, do not add or subtract, he's telling us the book of Revelation is very valuable to him. Yahuwah is now telling us something is very valuable to him, to the point that he says, do not add or subtract. What is that? The Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. Which ones? The ones written on the two tablets of stone. This is why the Ten Commandments written in two tablets of stone is set apart. It is the foundation of the commandments. Because all of the commandments that we find, which serve as ordinances in the Old Testament, all of that really derives from the Ten Commandments, the foundational commandments. This is why our King Yahushua said in verse 17 to 18, we have to fulfill these commandments, right? And we must teach and obey these commandments. And so when we say teach and obey these Ten Commandments, we should not subtract from any of them. Because there are those who say, well, we believe in the Ten Commandments, except for the one about the Sabbath, right? And there are those who say, well, the Ten Commandments is no longer applicable to us. Do you know what uh, many people who don't believe that the Ten Commandments are applicable to us, do you know what they say when Yahusha mentioned Matthew 5.19? Do you know what they say? Well, it was not taught that Brother Felix went up. In addition to that, do you know what else they say? They say... But when Yahusha was speaking here, who was he speaking to? Israel. He was speaking to the people of Israel. And so what they say is, this only applies to the people of Israel. And so for those who are Gentiles, this is not applicable. Because Yahusha is not speaking to them. He's speaking to Israel. This is why the Ten Commandments, yes, Yahusha is enforcing it. Because obviously Matthew 5.19 is enforcing obeying the Ten Commandments. And if you keep reading Matthew chapter 5, Yahushua even gives examples of how to obey the Ten Commandments. And so it's obvious that our King Yahushua is endorsing and preaching and practicing the Ten Commandments. But to get away from this belief that you don't need to obey the Ten Commandments, they say, well, it's only for the people of Israel. That's their argument. But take a look at what Yahushua said in Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. And so when Yahushua says make disciples of all nations, does that include non-Israelites? Yes or no? Yeah. Right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And so what did our King Yahushua 
command his disciples who were Israelites to do. He says, go make disciples of non-Israelites, right? And after making disciples of these non-Israelites, what are they to do? To teach them all things that I taught to you. When Yahushua said all things that I taught to you, does that include Matthew 5, 19? Yeah. So it includes the 10 commandments. And so the 10 commandments is valuable to who? Our King, Yahushua. It is valuable to who? Our Father in heaven. This is why he had it written on two tablets of stone and says, do not add or subtract from the Ten Commandments. And so we must not add to or subtract from the Ten Commandments of Yahuwah. But you know what's even worse than not adding or subtracting from the Ten Commandments of Yahuwah? What do you think is worse than that? Because there are those who subtract the Sabbath. You know what's worse? <laughs> what's worse if you say is if you say the Ten Commandments is no longer applicable. And then you come up with your own version of the Ten Commandments, right? Can you imagine that? They will say to you the Ten Commandments that Yahuwah wrote with his finger. The Ten Commandments that Yahuwah says do not add or subtract from. They will say to you, it's no longer applicable. And then they come up with their own. Ten. Ten Commandments. That's blasphemy. Any religion that will do that cannot be of God, cannot be of Yahuwah. Because those who follow Yahuwah, those who follow Yahusha, love the Ten Commandments. Yahuwah said, do not add or subtract from the Ten Commandments. Yahusha said, do not even take a jot or a tittle from the Ten Commandments. And so we need to preserve that. We need to obey the commandments of Yahuwah, the commandments of our Allahim. How important is it that we keep obeying the commands of Yahuwah? Let's read the final passage of our studies today, the book of Revelation 14, 12 to 13. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Yahushua. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. And so the Bible is telling us, what we need to do to, to be saved so that even if we die we are still blessed because our works follow us meaning we will receive the blessed resurrection we will receive salvation and everlasting life what are the characteristics of the true saints of Yahuwah? number one what does it say they keep what the commandments of god the ten commandments what else they maintain their faith in Yahushua. They preserve their faith in Yahushua. And so this is what we need to practice as members of the assembly of Yahushua. Keep the commandments of God and have faith in our King Yahushua. Okay, that is our lesson. Let us stand and we shall pray together. Everlasting Father, merciful Yahuwah Alahim, thank you so much for blessing your people today. We know that the Ten Commandments are important to you. And so, so long as we have breath in our lungs and we have life and strength, we will proclaim and make your laws honorable and great. Only help us, Father, because by ourselves we are weak. We depend upon you working in us with the power of your Holy Spirit. Help us, Father, to be committed in proclaiming and practicing your commandments. 
Our King Yahushua, we profess faith in you. We confess with our mouth and with our hearts that you are our Master. Yahushua, may you please guide us. May you be with us always. Help us that we may testify of you. Help us to be loyal to you. That we can always be your servants until the very end. Father, bless our dear friends and loved ones. That they will also come to believe concerning the value, the greatness of the Ten Commandments. That all of us, because you have empowered us with your Holy Spirit, having the commandments written in our hearts and minds, be able to fulfill them to the best of our ability. We believe, Father, that you have listened to our prayers. We ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen.